0: From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop
1: shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For nearly 25 years, Derek Hayes has exclusively represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of the show, Mr. Derek Hayes. Good morning, Derek. Good morning. Good Good to see you. I will correct one thing. What's that? Take out the word nearly. Instead of nearly twenty-five yes. years, it's twenty-five years. This is the your twenty-five yes, year 25, anniversary. Absolutely! Wow! Well, congratulations! <laughs> oh, round of applause there. All right, I'm going to cross that off of my intro there and. Uh, 25 years, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, that's a long time. You know, one thing I want to correct, and we were discussing this before the show, it says represented injured parties in Georgia. You actually have a much further reach. Yeah, I've represented people now all over the country, California, Michigan,
0: uh, just yesterday, I had a mediation in federal court in Pennsylvania, in the eastern district of Pennsylvania, uh, the federal court there in Pennsylvania. I've had a few months ago, a case that settled in federal court in Tennessee. I, I handle cases in Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. So yes, I, I do handle cases all over the country, but my my practice is located in Georgia.
1: Sure. Yes, we live here in metro Atlanta. But that is good to know, that if anyone's listening and they're getting your weekly expertise as I am. Uh, Being the host of the Injury Insider, I feel like I have a law degree now. I say that all the time, that you are much more widespread, that you can handle a case. So anyone listening, if you live anywhere in the United States, feel free to call, reach out and check out Derek's website. And during the show, we will tell you all how to find him directly but before we begin a quick reminder that injury insider is brought to you by status home design and the shops at status your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes injured in Georgia make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT All right. Before we jump into the show, I want to set you up to make a big announcement. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we can do that. I, I
0: was not thinking about that. So you need
1: to. This should. Yes. We need a drum roll. I'll do yes. one here on the table
0: within the next month. Not sure exactly what the, the actual date's going to be, but I will be opening a new location. That's right. A second location in Watkinsville, Georgia,
1: and that is, would be right outside of Athens. Correct. 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 It's a
0: Coney County, which is directly uh, next to Athens, Clark County. Uh, so I'll have my office in Gwinnett County, which is Metro Atlanta, and the second office now in Oconee County in Watkinsville. So yes, I will well, be congrats. the law offices. Law off.
1: offices of Correct. Derek M. Hayes. Yes. It's going to be fabulous. I'm very excited. And as your personal interior designer, I am designing a fabulous office.
0: Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And by, by the way, we are a couple. We're engaged. And uh, Lita will be having a retail store and the downstairs part of the same building, so we'll actually go to work together. Correct. So Which a few great. days a week. Yes, I yes. won't be there every day. I'll be back You're, and forth. We're going to split the our time, right? And, and I own retail likewise. stores. Right.
1: Mm-hmm, the same. So this is a house from the 1800s. It is a two-story house. It is absolutely charming. I'm so excited it is on Main Street in downtown Watkinsville so the second story is going to be Derek's Law Office and the bottom floor will be a retail store for me And it's
0: conveniently one block from the courthouse that's right which is even
1: great Uh, that's
0: you know, I like to walk to court when I, when I have to go as opposed to driving, especially when it's that close. It's really easy.
1: Well, this is visibility. Yes. Now we are next to Athens, so I can't say this is small town, but the little city of Watkinsville has that small town charm. Yes. All right. Well, congratulations. Let's jump into the show today. In the last show, you gave us a real education about the jury selection process. I never realized how much it goes into from an attorney's point of view. It was also interesting to hear how the process works. I'm fascinated by it.
0: Yeah, it, it's an amazing thing that, that, again, until you've been there and done that, you really don't realize exactly uh, how much work goes into selecting a jury. There actually are jury consultant uh, companies that they will help you do uh, focus groups, to put up on a mock trial to know exactly what kind of person, background, and uh, demographics, and, and things about individuals that may help you as a plaintiff's attorney Uh, try and get the best possible verdict you can for your client. I didn't even go
1: into that part of it. I know. We didn't have enough time. You did wrap up the last show with a couple jury stories. Uh, I'm curious, did you get any interesting feedback from your listeners?
0: Yes, I did. You know, I get feedback from all the shows, which is terrific. I love that. Uh, We'll talk more about the website and how you can do that later. But yes, I did get uh, lots of comments, lots of Uh, stories that people shared. I had several people that sent me those stories uh, and personal experiences they had with jury duty. Um, Some people did take your side and agreed with you completely that they've always wanted to serve on a jury. I mean, you made that point very clear that uh, you've had that desire for a long, long time. I do. And now
1: I want to more than ever. You're not alone. Based on the feedback,
0: there are a lot of people that agree with you. I uh, had somebody even ask me if they could, uh, and I, I wrote this down because I thought this was interesting, if they could, quote, tell the attorneys or the judge that they really wanted to serve.
1: <laughs> that would be me. I would be yeah. raising my hand going, me, yeah. me. <laughs> and I, I, I did
0: laugh at that one. I thought it was kind of funny, but that won't work. It's not going to happen oh. that way. Uh, others sent me stories about their horrible experiences after they did get picked for jury duty. Uh, in fact, one guy named Steve, I think it was, he mentioned that uh, he was on a jury. Uh, it was a criminal case, but he said that it almost came to uh, a fistfight between wow. a couple of others, not him, but a couple of others that were in that jury pool that the uh, deliberations became very heated and hostile and words went back and forth. And two of the guys that were on the jury actually had to be separated in the jury room. So it reminds me of that old saying, be careful what you ask for, you might actually get it.
1: Before we move into today's topic, is there anything else you want to talk about regarding the jury selection process or serving on a jury?
0: Yes, I I meant to cover this last time, but honestly, we kind of ran out of time and there was so much more we could talk about. So I do want to talk about this very quickly. Um, I took a seminar many years ago on how to select a jury. Uh, It was more about focus groups and the psychology and, and things that we as attorneys don't really understand. Uh, It was taught by a psychologist and an acting coach from California. Uh, His name was Josh Carton, and he uh, had a laundry list of celebrities that he had coached in acting, and the psychologist had done a lot of studies uh, specifically about juries. But in the seminar, they talked about this one specific study where they took 12 people, there were, I think, five or six groups of 12 people, and they put them in a room, and they had them there under the pretense they were doing a survey. And so as part of this, they put menus in the room with them. Uh, as an example, a Chinese restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, uh, maybe a, an Italian restaurant, and uh, some American cuisine. And they told them as they started doing their, their work, they said, if you all can pick one menu, one of these menus, we will absolutely buy lunch for everybody off that one menu. But if you can't pick one menu, we'll still get whatever you want to. But if it's not going to be from one location, it's going to be multiple, then you're going to need to pay for it. We, we won't be able to provide it. And so the thought was, if you give someone a chance to have a free lunch, that they would all come together and say, you know what, let's do Mexican or let's do Italian or let's do American or Chinese, whatever. But in every one of the groups where they did this, they could not agree on one menu to get a free lunch. Every single wow. group they did this with, they all uh, uh, decided they would much rather pay for their own lunch as opposed to concede basically, and agree with everyone else to do Chinese. You know, it would be, I don't like that food, it uh, tastes bad, I don't like that food, it's spicy. I don't like that kind of food because it doesn't sit well with me. Or there's nothing on that menu I'll eat, I want this. And so even something as simple as picking a restaurant to get a free meal, groups of 12 people could not do that. That's really interesting. So yeah, it's it's difficult to get 12 people to agree on anything. Mm-hmm. and. So as a plaintiff's attorney, my job, and this is true with all plaintiff's attorneys, my job, and defense attorneys will agree with me, is far more difficult than a defense attorney's job. And the reason why, at least in personal injury cases, it's my job as the one who carries the burden of proof to make all 12 people agree with me, all 12, and follow my lead and decide to give my client compensation, money, a verdict. And to collectively come back with a verdict, you know, a dollar amount that's appropriate for what happened. In the defense attorney's mind, they only have to get one person. That's it. They have to convince one person to deviate from the thought process of everyone else. And with that one person, they can carry, not necessarily carry the win, but they could definitely minimize the amount my client might receive, um, you know, as far as the, the verdict is concerned. So again think about that 12 people will buy your lunch we will again provide whatever
1: you want but they can't even agree on something
0: as simple as that
1: i would never have thought about that it seems like it would be extremely difficult then if you're the plaintiff you are the plaintiff's attorney to convince every single person to find in your client's favor I mean, that's the point you're making. But yeah. I'm pretty baffled by that because it's a free lunch. You're actually giving them something and they won't agree. Right, so, how, exactly. how much harder does that make your job? <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, do you have any words of advice for someone that gets picked for jury duty?
0: Yes. Uh, I say this again as a plaintiff's attorney, find in favor of the plaintiff and give them <laughs> as much money as you possibly can. <laughs> whatever dollar amount you come to, double it, triple it, whatever you want to do. But yes, listen, that, that's the first thing. As a juror, you're objective is to listen and have an open mind, Uh, hear what the defense attorney has to say, hear what the plaintiff's attorney has to say, listen to the testimony, uh, scrutinize the documents, pay attention to every detail you can. Uh, You'll be given a notepad and pen, so take good notes. Um, Some jurors will probably write their grocery list, we need eggs, we need bacon, we need milk, whatever it may be, but don't do that. Take notes. If you hear something that's interesting or you feel like may be very important later on, write it down. Write down what witness said it. Write down uh, exactly what uh, uh, you know, you feel like is, is necessary to again, eventually deliberate with everyone else. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions uh, of the judge. Um, sometimes people get confused with jury instructions and there's a need to clarify or, Uh, It may be that that somebody's not sure about what the testimony was and they want to have something read back to them in the jury room. Don't be afraid to do that. Uh, That's part of the process. You're allowed to do that. One of the things that we as plaintiff's attorneys, and I would say defense attorneys probably agree about, um, is the jury instructions, which is where the juries actually hear the case law, the law that applies, the jury instructions that apply to the particular case, they don't hear that until the end after closing arguments. As a plaintiff's attorney, I would much rather them hear the law to begin with. So going into the trial, going into the opening statement, going into all the testimony, the cross exams, the direct exams, the documents, uh, everything that's presented in evidence, and then the closing arguments, if they heard the law up front, they would be more clear about what was important and what was not so important. Um, So I wish they would do that, that they would read jury instructions prior to, again, the, the trial even starting.
1: Well, I'm sure you have many more stories from juries that you've had in some of your cases, but I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, We do have a topic for today, and I'm going to let you introduce it. What do you want to talk about today?
0: Well, since I had a great response uh, discussing jury service, which is the beginning of a trial, I thought I'd move on to the next step in trial, which is opening statements. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Uh, So we're going to discuss opening statements. Have you ever heard the phrase opening arguments?
1: Yes. Okay. A lot of
0: people say that. That's not true. It's not an opening argument. That's the first mistake a lot of people make. The opening statement cannot be an argument. You're not allowed to argue facts in the opening of a trial. It's an opening statement. An opening statement is basically telling the story, it's telling the jury why they're there. In reality, most good attorneys are going to start their opening statement in the jury selection process. If it's a car wreck claim they're there about, well, the questions are going to basically let the jury know hey you're here about a car wreck if it's a slip and fall case or a dog bite or some other kind of traumatic injury in voir dire, you're going to do a little bit more uh, to, to try and make sure you make that known and let the jury find out up front what you're talking about so again it's not an argument there are no facts that have come into any kind of uh, testimony because you're talking first uh, it's all about laying the foundation telling the story
1: all right. Well, what makes an effective opening statement?
0: So if you break it down into to individual parts, you got to start with a theme. A theme could be a key phrase or some words that you use. It, it's the first sentence generally to start your opening statement. Uh, and you carry it forward all the way through the trial, through your direct exams, through your cross exams. And then in your closing argument, which is an argument, you're hammering that theme of the case. Uh, you're taking responsibility or... Uh, you know someone who's tried to avoid um, their responsibility and in, in what happened in a car wreck, for example. Um, tell the story. The story itself is is why they're there. They're there to hear about what happened. Say your client is John Doe. They're here to hear what happened to John Doe. So tell that story. Um, you got to persuasively, but but again, not argument argumentatively, but persuasively, put your facts in order in a sequence that's really important to create a flow so they can follow it. Start with the day the wreck occurred, if it's a car wreck, and go through the moment the wreck occurred and then the follow up with an ambulance to a hospital and then treatment wherever that your client may have gone for follow up care. If there are some bad facts in your case, it's many times really good to address that in the opening statement, because you're stealing the thunder from the defense attorney. If there's a bad fact about your client, for example, your client, had been arrested uh, for some sort of bad crime, whatever it may have been. That had nothing to do with the fact they were injured in a car wreck, but it may be important if you feel as though that's something that can come into evidence to go ahead and address that up front and make them know, well, John Doe had some issues in the past, but we're not here about that. We're here about this car wreck, and you can go into it a little bit, not obviously too far, uh, but that's a good way to address those things up front. Uh, Don't read your opening statement. That's always the <laughs> is thing. Is that a that,
1: rookie mistake?
0: Oh, my gosh. It's amazing to me. Of course, I, I as a plaintiff's attorney, I see defense attorneys. But when somebody sits and reads, when I say sit, they're not sitting. They're standing in a podium with notes, and they're reading verbatim what they wrote. And then when they get to the end of the page, there's a pause as they turn the page to pick up with the next word. I, I Yes, a rookie mistake is a good way to put it, but to me, it's not interesting. Nobody's engaged to somebody reading to them they're engaged when somebody's talking to them and and telling the story. It's good to bring an outline and if you need to refer back to your outline for a key word or a key uh, point that you want to make then then do it but don't sit there and read your opening statement. That is so uh, boring and it loses the interest of the jurors. The jurors to some extent probably think well if he's not interested
1: enough to know the facts then why am I here? He's got to read it. So let me ask a question you're 25 years in you have an opening statement do you practice it I mean I, I'm thinking of speech and and when you have something that you have to say you go in front of a mirror like actually how do you get it down pat uh in the beginning yes when
0: I first started doing this oh absolutely I would do an opening statement to my dog my dog would sit and look at me and I would as if my dog was a jury I would sit there and and introduce myself and go through the uh the the full opening statement, even the closing argument. I would do a cross-exam of my dog. Uh, Yes, you practice, but as I've done this now, as you said, for 25 years, I don't do that anymore. I'm pretty well comfortable just knowing the story and going in there, I know what I need to say. Um, So I will have bullet points, I'll have an outline, I'll have keywords to make sure I included that in my opening statement, but I'm not gonna go through the thing generally in its entirety in front
1: of a mirror or in front of you, for that matter. I guess it just comes with practice. Yeah, it does. Right? The it more does. you get used to public speaking and comfortable with it and, the you know, with age, again, doing this for so long, that, that makes sense. Yep. I was just curious if it's one of those things. If you always, I don't know, have anxiety about it. I, I don't know. I would think that that would be, oh, it's so important.
0: Yeah, You've got to nail it. Yeah, and, and thankfully, public speaking has never been a, an issue with me. I've been able to talk to anybody at any time and... However many people it may be, it could be 100 people or it could be 12 people, it could be six people, it could be two people. It's never bothered me. I enjoy talking. I think you already know that. Um, well, it so, makes you a
1: fantastic podcaster.
0: Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so it's not something that I, again, when you first do it, yes, there are nerves. I'm not going to act like I wasn't nervous. Uh, maybe the first four or five trials, they're, they're, especially the very first trial. But after that, it's it's okay. We're back again. Let's do this. And okay. you know what you've got to do. Yeah. And, you know again it comes with practice
1: all right well I know how much you love to tell stories so I imagine you really enjoy the opening statement yes yeah
0: yes Uh, one of the things I like to do as I said I love to tell stories I like to engage every single juror individually so sometimes we have a jury of six but many times it's a jury of 12. so thankfully we have the freedom to move around in a courtroom Things haven't opened back up with COVID, and I hope that when they do, we're not going to be restricted to stand behind a podium because I love to move around on a courtroom. And I will purposely stand almost in front of each individual juror and make eye contact. And by doing that, I can engage with some, and I know who's really intently listening to me and more engaged than others. Some jurors, you, you try and make eye contact with them and talk to them, they won't look at you, or it's uncomfortable for them. So I'm not going to stand there and stare at them, but other jurors, when I can really engage, I will and have that um, you know one-on-one conversation almost with them. The plaintiff gets to go first in opening statements, which is, is my favorite part, because I will give my opening statement. I'll tell that story, but I'll also purposely pose some things that'll make the defense attorney have to address them in their opening statement. Ooh, so it's almost a curveball, right, yeah. right? They may come with a very well-written, scripted statement they expect to read, but if I pose certain questions in my opening statements and they ignore those questions, then half the jury is probably going to look at them and go, wait a minute, you, know, Mr. Hayes over here, as the plaintiff's attorney, he threw some things out there and you completely ignored them. Why? Is it that you can't address them directly or were you not paying attention or you so... Uh, dedicated to this written script, you, you can't, uh, again, address those specifics that were brought out. So there are lots of ways to, to to again, control the courtroom. And I hate to use the word control because technically the courtroom belongs to the judge. I'm simply an invitee in there as someone that is uh, doing my job, but you can take control of the, the jury and try and get them almost immediately to plug in more with you than with the defense attorney and that's my job i need to i want to so i love going first and i love that engagement individually with with jurors
1: all right give us an example dun dun. dun, put you on the spot give an example of how you start your opening statements
0: there's so many different ways to do that Um, it depends on the individual attorney and sometimes it depends on the individual jury Um, sometimes it depends on the case too i'll go in and say Uh, My name is Derek Hayes. I'm here on behalf of the plaintiff, John Doe, and it's my pleasure and honor to represent John in a car wreck that occurred on this day, at this time, at this location. So up front, I'm greeting them. I'm introducing myself. I'm engaging with them like that. Other times, I'll go in and say, it's July 31st at 7 o'clock at night. It's been raining all day. There's standing water, puddles on the roadway, limited visibility. And it's late at night, and um, the defendant, whoever it may be, Jane Doe, is driving without headlights, coming around a curve in a two-lane road, and without any warning whatsoever, crosses the center line and hits my client, John Doe, head on um, in the roadway. And and that way, it's telling that story. Sure. That's like a novel. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so sometimes you'll see jurors get on the edge of their seat, listening intently, because they want to follow that. And once I've laid that little foundation, I'll say, and I'm here today on behalf of John Doe. My name is Derek Hayes. And I'm going to tell you the rest of that story in a minute. I'm here as the plaintiff's attorney, and this is my responsibility. So let's talk about what happened to John that day. And so that's true storytelling. That is my favorite way to do it. Mm -hmm. If I had a preference, again, sometimes you have to to tweak it based on the, the makeup of the jury or some issues in the case. But that's my favorite way to do it. Because if you start with, my name's Derek Hayes, I'm here on behalf of the plaintiff, people are going to listen. But if you start with truly telling a story, it's July 31st, 11 o'clock at night. It's been raining all day. they feel like you just put roadway. your
1: good radio voice right. on. Then it's, wow,
0: okay, what happened? What happened? Right. And, and they're waiting for that, that story. You know, again, it, it's, it's drama. Uh, In fact, uh, I mentioned that that uh, seminar I went to, one of our teachers, our coaches, was a drama teacher, an acting coach, Josh Carden. And so in doing that seminar, we did basically an acting class. It was a uh, boot camp of acting. We learned hand gestures and body motions and body language and how to, again, tell a story in a very effective way to keep people engaged. You know, when you set a scene, which is kind of what I did in the example, the second example, the one I like to do, to me, it's more engaging than my name is Derek Hayes and going from there. They expect that. I think most jurors, if they uh, went in and looked at an attorney, they think they're going to introduce themselves first. But when you start telling that story, it's almost a, wow, okay, what's going on? What's happening?
1: I feel like you're giving away some of your trade
0: secrets. Well, a lot of attorneys do it. I mean, it's not, it's not uncommon. It's difficult for a defense attorney to do it because I get to start first. Mm -hmm. So when I pose those questions, especially in my opening statement, I kind of bury that in there, but I'll emphasize it in such a way that the jurors will pick up on it. And again, I hope sometimes the defense attorney's not paying attention and many times they aren't. I act excited and confident all the way through my opening statement. I'm happy to be here. I'm honored to be here. I have the opportunity to represent John Doe. This guy's a good guy and you need to hear what happened to him and you need to take care of John Doe. You need to compensate him for what that crazy guy or crazy lady over there did to him when they crossed that center line and injured John permanently. John's life's changed forever. You've got to be confident. You've got to know the facts. You've got to, again, if you're standing in a podium and reading notes it's not going to have that effective punch whereas if i'm standing there with hand gestures walking up and down in front of the jury not looking at notes telling that story knowing the facts far better than that defense attorney does it's going to come across that way i'm going to be very confident i'm going to be very bold i'm going to be very controlling. Again, I I hate to use the word, but of those 12 people in such a way that they're engaged with me, and they really, really care about John, Uh, you know, they're, one of the things defense attorneys will do is they'll constantly constantly refer to my client, John Doe, as the plaintiff, the plaintiff, the plaintiff, purposely trying not to personalize them. Many, many defense attorneys do that throughout the course of a trial. I constantly refer to them by their first and last name, John Doe, John Doe, John Doe. And in closing arguments, I'll even make a point. You know, throughout the process, the defense attorney over here has referred to John Doe as the plaintiff. The plaintiff. The plaintiff. John Doe is the plaintiff, but he's more than that. He's a person. And this is what happened to the person. That's when arguments are made. I can't do that in the beginning. Right, right. But I will tell that story. I will say, you're going to hear from Detective Steve Smith. And Detective Smith is going to tell you about the investigation he did and the measurements he took and the location where the wreck occurred. Uh, you're going to hear from Dr. Uh, Jane Smith, and she's going to tell you about the diagnosis she came up with after treating John Doe, the tests that were done. So, again, it's not argument. It's telling them what they're going to expect to hear. And then sometimes another thing I like to do is is say, um, in fact, jurors, you, you have a pad and a pen in front of you. I want you to write these things down. I'm going to prove to you the following. And hold me to it. I'm going to prove to you that Jane Doe caused this wreck. I'm going to prove to you that John Doe was injured. I'm going to prove to you that John Doe did this and this and this. And so then in closing arguments, I'm going to say, pull that pad back out. In the cl- in the opening statement, I talked about what I was going to show you, what the evidence would, would prove. And I want you to hold me to that. Let's start with number one. I told you I was going to prove that Jane Doe caused this wreck. Well, guess what? We did. And here's how we did. Number two, I, I told you I was going to prove that John's, John Doe was injured. Well, here's what we talked about. Here's the testimony. Here's the evidence. I proved that one. Number three, I told you we're going to do this. And so then it's like, a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, you did. Again, as the plaintiff, we get to open the opening statements, which is terrific, but we also get to close the closing arguments, which is also even better. So you I'll have, talk about yeah. closing arguments later. I don't want to get too far into that. But we have the opportunity, as long as the defense presents evidence at trial,
1: we have the opportunity to close
0: the closing arguments.
1: So you have the hardest job, but you have the benefit of the opening and the closing.
0: Because we have the hardest job. Right. We have the burden of proof. There you go. And so it's a trade-off. Well,
1: um, I think anyone listening can, whether they're interested, if they've used you in the past, if, if something happens and they need to call you, and we're gonna tell everybody in just a second how to reach you. Uh, But what I'm trying to say is you're absolutely uh, telling everyone why you are a phenomenal attorney. That's (laughs) what I'm gathering from all this. Like, wow, if something happens to me, I absolutely want you on my side.
0: I I never realized just how important it is to be able to tell a story as an attorney. But when you're a trial attorney or you're in court, court, even in the mediation yesterday, you've got to be able to tell that story effectively so that you're engaged with the jury. They're following you from the very beginning. You know, from the jury selection process to that opening statement, you're carrying forward a theme, taking responsibility for what you've done, and you're referring to that defendant all the way through.
1: I know you learned one more trick in that acting class, and it's something that doesn't have to do with the case itself, but it's something that you do when you're getting <laughs> ready, right? Can yes, you, Can yes. you tell this little, little trick of the trade? Yes. Okay. So
0: uh, again, this this was a Josh Carton thing, and, I, and I've used this. I I uh, have referred back to those notes many, many times over the years. So one of the things he talked about was actors getting ready for a scene or a movie or a TV show by loosening up, loosening up with physical movement, but also to loud music, singing out loud, warming your voice up, uh, getting loose. And so when I'm on the way to trial, I, I have the radio cranked up as loud as it can be, and I am moving around in the car and singing, and, and so it wakes you up for sure, but it also, too, gets you very loose and ready for that moment, so to speak, on the stage in front of that jury to, to tell that story. Which
1: is very interesting for me. You know, I do a lot of meetings. I own multiple businesses, and I'm very quiet. Before, I, I had to do something very important yesterday. I didn't even have the radio on the whole yeah. hour, <laughs> yeah. but I'm, it, it, but again, it's maybe I should have, I really like that as a, as a tip. Well, it gets you going. You know? I mean, yeah. it, it,
0: the energy's there because yeah. the music will get you energized and, and, and kind of pumped up, so to speak. That's you know, athletes in, in professional sports, college sports, sure. high school sports. Sure. How many of them do, do you do see that? walking you around with their that? earbuds yep. in, listening to music and, and getting pumped up. And, and that's kind of what you're doing. You're getting ready uh, and, and getting the energy flowing and, and, Uh, Again, you're going to be on stage. You've got to be going full speed. If you walk in there and and you're very somber and you're monotone and you're quiet and you're, well, we're here today about a car wreck and you know, it occurred on this day at this time, nobody's going to listen to that. Nobody's going to be engaged with that. But if you're, my name's Derek Hayes and here's why we're in this courtroom today. We're here because John Doe was injured in a car wreck that occurred on this day at this time. Or if you do the opposite, it was a cold night. It was the middle of the winter. It had snowed. There was ice on the
1: road. And
0: you're giving that story. Well, again, that's the way to engage.
1: You've unpacked a lot. And I want to, before we close, you have to tell everyone listening, how can they reach you? How can they find you? How can they submit? a topic for a future podcast and and that comes in the form of questions. You can ask uh, a legal question and contact Derek on the attorney side or you can ask a podcast question and we will try to answer that. There is a lot of shows where we will just unpack listener questions.
0: Yes, yes. So,
1: I need to put that out there that that we are here for you guys. Derek uses his legal education and this is a teaching platform for him. Uh, So please, please submit your questions and we will try to, you know, again, compile all them together for a future show. Derek, tell everyone how to find you.
0: Along those lines, I actually have several questions already for a Yes, I know show. there I mean, are a lot. Of we up. haven't done
1: that in a no, couple I, shows, I so and it is they're, probably they're time. kind of backing up. So yeah.
0: I will probably, if not the next show, the show after that for okay. sure, address listener of questions. But the, the best way to catch me, go to my website. It's Derek, D-E-R-E-K, the letter M, as in Matthew, and then Hayes is H-A-Y-S, so DerekMHayes.com that's my website. When you go there, you'll see a chat feature where you can chat directly to us in our office, a box that'll pop up on the screen. You can go to my podcast tab and submit a question directly there or a comment or an idea about a future show. You can also go to uh, the email part of my website to send an email about a specific case. I will be the one to receive the email. I'll be the one to respond directly to you. And if you put your phone number on there, I'll be the one to call you and we'll talk about your case your potential case and whether or not it's something I can help you with. Also go to my website or to my uh, uh, Facebook page, the law office of Derek M Hayes, Instagram law office of Derek M Hayes, or you can call me. My uh, office number is, is 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes presented by Status Home Design the Shops at Status, and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X.